coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. I choose you, Pokemon business strategy presentation. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including some Pokemon and Game Freak news. And then on Thursday, we're going to be discussing our favorite moments from the Resident Evil series, which I'm looking forward to very much. But Mark, in the meantime, how are you? Doing great. Patrick, I have already commented... Like complimented you on your shirt. Yes. But I just can't stop looking at this shirt. I love this shirt. It is a uh, pink short sleeve button down shirt that has birds on it. Mm -hmm. Are they parrots? Are they macaws? They're colorful birds of paradise. Let's say that. Um, And yeah, this is the thing about me. I've got no chill when it comes to new clothes. So I bought some new clothes this week. And Mark, you've already seen two of my new items. One was that like white jacket thing that I was wearing yesterday, which was also great. Which was also great. That was a a, a unique low uh, pickup. This one's from Target. Thanks, Target. Not a sponsor of this show, but could be right. And what? Not a sponsor, but also not a company that we are calling for a boycott of. That's right, FedEx Kinkos. <laughs> you know what you did, FedEx Kinkos. Um, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, here's something we're not boycotting: Sonic Forces. Or maybe I am. If you would like to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces. You can do so. All you got to do is email us with your mailing address. Uh, send that to Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. And I send you my copy of the game you played for as long as you want, and then you send it back to me. It costs you what? Oh, I, I didn't know if I was supposed to, if this was like a call and response where I'm supposed to answer, or if like the audience, the listeners are shouting it out in their car or subway or place of work. Right. Well, you made your choice. <laughs> it costs you nothing. <laughs> Uh, so that's, that's one thing you can get from us. What's another thing you can get from us? Our Detective Pikachu cards. That's right. We saw Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Like three weeks ago at this point. Pokemon Presents Prote- Detective Pikachu? I don't think there's a Presents in there. Mm. I don't think they proudly present it. Proudly presented by Pokemon. No, I think it's just Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Right. We saw End the movie. End of story. Right. We saw the movie. They mm-hmm. gave out little packs of cards, two whole cards in every pack, mm-hmm. which seems like uh Stingy. Well, I was going to say, uh, like, a waste of packaging. Like, it's an environmental disaster. Sure, if you're going to do it, like, pack it full of cards. Pack it full of cards! Well, but cards just inherently are bad for the environment, right? Because they're made with paper. Uh, but, I mean, paper is, at the very least, uh, once they're, like, glossy like this, they're probably not biodegradable anymore. The whole thing's an environmental disaster, and we're monsters. But if anyone would like our cards, all you got to do is recommend our show to someone else on Twitter. Tag us in it, at Nincart Society, um, and we'll see it. And, you know, after a couple weeks' time, we'll um, send them out to someone. Right? That's how the contest works. Yeah, that's that's it. Simple as that. Uh, Let's get back to this FedEx Kinko's um, uh, boycott. Oh, my blood is boiling with the mention of their name. For our 250-ish episode spectacular, we printed off a bunch of emailed questions, questions that were emailed to us by you, our listeners. Um, and uh, I did this at a, a FedEx Kinko's nearby. 
I think it's just a FedEx. I don't think Kinko's exists as a brand anymore. But it's a FedEx Kinko's, and I hate it because they didn't print off all the emails. So now we are making good on that by reading one email a week until we are through um, all of them. Uh, today's email comes from Turner. Turner says, hey, Patrick and Mark just got plugged in the show about a month ago, and I've been enjoying all of your updates and insights each week's, each week. Um, uh, I wanted to submit a few questions for your 250-ish uh, celebration show. Feel free to uh, take your pick of any of these. Um, so here we go. We're gonna do. We're gonna do all of them. There are four questions here. Uh, question number one: Being a recent listener, I get a kick out of the harmonizing of at gmail.com each episode, and was curious how that shtick got its start. Mark, do you remember how we started doing that? No, I don't remember specifically. Uh, I know that it's because saying Nintendo Cartridge Society is difficult. It is so hard. It's the word cartridge. And so I wanted to harmonize all of it, but I think I was too scared to. But at gmail.com is super easy. Yeah. So I let you do the hard work. Thank you. Like most things in this podcast, I let you do the hard work. And then like I chime in at the end to be like, I'm helping. Here's the thing that frightens me the most every time we do this show is I say Nintendo Cartridge Society like three times before I introduce you, which means I have three very conspicuous opportunities to mess up the show. Luckily, it's up at the top where we can retake it. Yeah. Uh, two, you're a complete pro, so that rarely happens. And three, it also and three, means... our standards are low, so there's a lot of times that you'll hear... We have them, they're just society. low. Uh, no, it also means that anytime we're about to say our email address, we have to like finagle it in a way where you're teeing it up. Oh, that's right. You can never start saying the email address. Yeah. Uh, which I think has bit us in the butt maybe like once or twice. But For sure. Uh, we, we usually uh, work it out. Um, but I think we do that in the first episode. I, I think, yeah, I think so. I think that came about during one of our practice episodes. Yeah, it's one of those, I couldn't tell you specifically when it happened. Question number two. Uh, how did you two meet and when did you become friends? Improv 301 here at in los angeles at the ucb Mm -hmm. uh number three if you could be a video game character what type of game would you be in what would be your in-game moves and which nintendo console would you debut on so what's the type of game what are your special moves and what console do you come out on i'd like to think that we would be in like a double dragon type scenario sure because we're a bunch of we're a couple of rude dudes look we're a team and anyone who tries to separate us is a fool so uh, we're talking what nes or super nes uh well let's gba baby (laughs) yeah uh gba the best of both worlds we're definitely at least 16 bit because we're so beautiful oh of course of course so that's that's the answer what are our in-game moves are our move sets different or are they the same? I think they are similar mm. but different. Sure, like uh, my like kicks us. have a little bit more range and yours are a little faster. <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, perfect. <laughs> just like real life. Uh, and then number four, what is your all-time favorite place to eat in the world? Um, oh, man. Yeah. Are, are we doing restaurants? I th- or can I say like my mom's house? You can say your mom's house, mm-hmm. but you have to mean it. Like You have to actually mean that. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably true, actually. So there, it, is there something that your mom makes that uh, makes it your favorite place to eat? Or is it just that, like, you know your family is there, and uh, it's the one place in the world that you know you'll be loved? Is that it? I think that's a big part of it, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I think for me, it's got to be the, uh, and it's not because the food is good, but it's uh, the Mars Cheese Castle in uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, which is uh, like a, a grocery store that is connected to a restaurant that is connected to a bar. Um, and it is just a cheesy 
uh, I mean that both literally and figuratively, um, like tourist trap uh, just outside my hometown or in my hometown. Um, and it is a great place to go and stop and get a beer. Um, in the bar, instead of like passing around peanuts or whatever for free, there's a giant tub of spreadable cheese, of Kakana cheese. That sounds so gross. Circled by Ritz crackers. No. It's the best thing in the world. Just and like everyone... a free-for-all? Yeah. Oh, that grosses me out. It's the best. Um, uh, and then uh, Turner's email ends. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to the episode next week. Of course, he sent this uh, before. So he was looking forward to that episode like a month ago. Uh, thank you, Turner, for writing in. Um, all right, Mark. Let's get into what we've been playing this week. So it looks like, and by it looks like, I mean it definitively does. Mm. Uh, alt- the how do you say this? Daedalus, Daedalus, Daedalus. Uh, the Awakening of Golden Jazz, which we talked about last week, that I was surprised to learn is like a Jake Hunter spinoff. Yeah. Um, when I was on the eShop this past week, I saw that it has a demo. So downloaded that and I checked that out. It's real short. It's just kind of like the prologue of the game, giving you the very basic mechanics. Uh, and if you've played a, uh, any of these like detective type games, Phoenix Wright works very similarly. It's the same sort of thing where like you're in a room and you're just kind of like looking at things and you can investigate specific like, oh, it's the dusty window or the locked door. Then you see if there are like clues that you can kind of like rustle out some sort of information. It definitely sold me on wanting to get the game down the line, probably when it goes on sale or something. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty good sale game to pick up later. Um, I've been playing Pokemon Picross. Now, I've never been a Picross guy. Have you played Pic? I've never played a Picross game. I only know them by reputation. I also only know them by reputation. Um, I had downloaded uh, Pokemon Picross on the 3DS uh, a, a long time ago when it when it came out, I guess. Um, because there were all of these like that's when uh, like Pokemon Rumble was also out, and I want to say there was like one more free Pokemon thing that I have in my uh, 3DS under the uh, folder that I've labeled Pokemon Scams. Um, and I I was uh I was on a train. I was coming back from San Diego. Um, and I was like, what do I have on my 3DS that I can just play? Um, because you know. Going to San Diego, I'm awake. I'm having a good time. Coming back, I'm like, I just need to play a game and like veg out. Um, and so then I was like, oh, Pokemon Picross. This is free. I can play this for a little while. And I've never played Picross before. Uh, and I have spent the rest of the week and the weekend uh, just playing Picross. And I love it. And I want someone who knows the series to recommend like the Picross games to me to play. Um, I'm loving the, the Pokemon one. It is so full of content, uh, because it is free. It does, uh, it's like a pay to play. Um, sometimes like you earn a, a currency, um, as you're playing, but you're earning it in such tiny quantities that to actually, um, like progress or like spend more than, you know, 20 minutes, uh, you know, with the game at a time, you have to spend money on it. Um, but when you've spent, uh, 30 bucks on the game uh then the the in-game currency becomes free um that you can just get as much of it as you want so basically 30 bucks is like buying the game right um and so to date i've spent uh 4.99 on it and i will probably end up spending the rest of it and just 
play the rest of the game. Can you quickly explain like the mechanics of Picross, yes. like how the game works? Uh, Picross, so uh, Picross in its uh, purest form is a 10 by 10 grid. Um, and then there are little lines next to each row and each column. And it tells you um, if, it, if the number is three, that means uh, in that row, there are three filled in blocks next to each other, three consecutive filled in blocks. Um, and so if it says like uh, three, uh, uh, three, two, two, you know that it's going to be uh, three through three, and then an empty space, and then two, and then an empty space, and then two more. Um, or, you know, it, it's not necessarily only one empty space, but I guess in the example I just gave, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, yeah, that, that would be all of them. Um, so you, you know it, exactly what that row is going to be. And so there are a lot of ways that you start to, like, develop these, uh, like, ways of, you know, deducing, like, if you have a row that has seven, um, and, you know, out of ten, you know that no matter what, there's going to be three empty ones on, or there could be as many as three empty ones on either side, so you just put the four in the middle, and you'll figure out the rest of them later. So you spend the whole time filling in blocks and marking off blocks as, like, I know for sure this one won't be filled in, um, and just going from there until, and e each one of these 10 by 10 grids is, for uh, Pokemon Picross, a the face like the eight bit face of a Pokemon, um, and so your uh, when you finish one of those, you have captured that Pokemon, and each of the Pokemon can be equipped like in your party to give you hints as you're um, filling out these puzzles or like stop the clock for a little bit because um, there are bonuses for you know finishing a, a puzzle in under a minute, which is impossible unless you're stopping time with like a, a Pikachu or whatever. Um, so yeah, then th there's just so much depth to uh, this specific offering uh, in of the game that I'm totally happy throwing uh, eventually the whole $30 at it. Uh, but if anyone could recommend to me uh, the other Picross games, there are eight regular Picross games on the 3DS. There are two 3D Picross. There's uh, through the virtual console on there, the Mario's Picross on the Game Boy. I need direction. Someone point me. Tell me which Picross games I need to play. Um, but I'm, I'm absolutely loving what I'm playing so far. I've also been playing Resident Evil 4. I picked up the Switch port. And, um, you know, when I first bought it, I felt a little bit like a sucker because it's buying, 30 bucks. Buying the same game again. Buying the same game again. It's $10 more expensive on the Switch than it is on any other platform. That's right. Regularly goes on sale on Steam for like 5 bucks. But, man, I love Resident Evil 4. It's been a while since I played it, and the last time I played was the Wii version, mm -hmm. which, you know, had, like, the pointer controls, and so it controls very different from, like, standard Resident Evil 4. Yeah. And so that's taken me a little bit of time to get used to. I was telling you, it's a little bit like when you go see a Shakespeare play, you yes. spend the first couple of scenes just, like, getting back into the rhythm of the language and everything. Right. And you, but, uh, what's nice about Shakespeare is at least uh, it's a passive thing, right? That you can just, like, sit there and be like, all right, I'm just going to assume that I'll understand this eventually. Yeah, with Resident Evil 4, there was a minute when I was, like, uh, you know, 20 minutes into the game, I was feeling like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Oh, my gosh! <laughs> because it's so weird, because it's ha kind of tank-controlly. You uh, move... Leon with the left stick, and it seems like the right stick should just act like a regular, a camera. regular camera stick. Exactly, yeah. but it doesn't. There's like a very limited range of movement, and so you really are just controlling everything with that 
left stick, I also changed the the default controls are when you hold like the aim button, then you use that the right stick to aim. But for whatever reason, I found that like really conf- you aim like the cursor. Yeah. But I found that really confusing for whatever reason. So I started using because the, in in that case you are using it like a a regular kinda, camera. Stick. But even then, it doesn't even really like it didn't feel right to sure. me for whatever reason. So I started using the alternate controls, which is you just basically use the left stick for everything. So because in older Resident Evil games, including Resident Evil Four, when you're aiming, you can't move, and so. It just becomes natural. You're like anchored, and then I just continue to use that stick to aim. Yeah. Um. The like cursor, but it's such a good game. I'm only on the third chapter. I just barely got to the castle. Yeah. Um. But what a delight. Yeah. What a delight. And we will almost certainly be talking more about Resident Evil Four on Thursday's episode because we are. Each of us have uh, five great moments from Resident Evil that we want to talk about. Uh, I don't know what Mark's are. I, I know what mine are. And I'm certain that we're going to be talking about Resident Evil 4 at least one time, uh, if not more. Um, I've also been playing The Legend of Zelda Oracle of Seasons. Uh, again, I was on a train with my 3DS. Um, and uh, I know I have played one of those games most of the way through. But uh, for the life of me, couldn't tell you which one, even after getting back into Oracle of Seasons. Um, but it, I'm having a, a lot of fun with it. I hope that they, uh, I hope one of the like surprise announcements with uh, the Legend of Zelda um, Link's Awakening is that they're remaking the other two uh, in, in the same art style. Because like, uh, the game is fun, but it suffers from all the same things that Link's Awakening does of like, okay, well, the, you know, going from screen to screen in each one of these, like, this is all very small. Um, it's cute, but it, you know, it, it, the palette is so limited and also i can only equip uh two items at a time and one of those is a sword and the other one is a shield and then it's like okay now pick something up and i'm like what <laughs> i gotta put on a bracelet for that all right uh that's what we've been playing uh this week let's get into the new new releases and what we might be playing next week today may 28th crystal crisis is released for switch tell me about crystal crisis so it's uh i think the publisher's name is nicholas or nicalis n-i-c-a-l-i-s or whatever big indie publisher Mm -hmm. uh that's not a uh, contradictory (laughs) thing big indie publisher Uh, they publish cave story they publish the binding of isaac Mm -hmm. and basically this is a like a fighting game with characters from like their stable so curly brace is in there um, from Cave Story, another character whose name I'm blanking on from Cave Story is in there. Isaac from The Binding of Isaac is in there. Um, also, they have like Astro Boy, so it's a bunch of different like characters. It's a fighting game, but instead of punching and kicking, it's each character has like a puzzle board, and so it's like a match three so puzzle. It's like- and like the bigger the combos, the more you can like attack. So it's like the old Capcom puzzle fighter. Yes, exactly. Um, also out on the 28th is uh, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons, which is a, a, a game that came out many years ago on, um, I think, all the other platforms. Uh, but new to the Switch version is a two-player mode. Mark, are you familiar with Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons? No. Um, so it is, it's a, um, uh, It's mostly a like top-down or like kind of isometric view uh, game where you, you're controlling two characters on, on the screen, one with the left stick and one with the right stick. And you're just sort of like solving environmental puzzles, um, you playing two characters together. But I guess on the Switch, 
uh, your two characters uh, are being controlled now by can be played with by two separate people, um, which maybe takes the like what's unique about the game out of it. Um, but also like with Joy Cons, just you try and stop me from <laughs> playing it that way, right? Um, I don't know. It's uh, I, I enjoyed uh, Brothers when I played it on uh, PlayStation Three. I want to say. Um, and it, uh, it just, it looks so cool and it's such a, uh, like emotional moving, you know, one of those really cool indie games, uh, from like five years ago and now it's on switch. Finally on May 31st, uh, Pixar comes to the switch. So this is a cross between Minecraft and Ark that, um, like survival game okay. that's on other platforms. I actually guess it's on switch now as well where you're on a bunch of islands and there's different dinosaurs on them and you're gathering resources and trying to survive. And there are dinosaurs, you say? Yes, dinosaurs. Big selling point. <laughs> all right, cool. Uh, all right, Mark, let's close out the new releases. And now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, Mark, today we're going to talk about sleep. Are you a light sleeper? Are you... A heavy sleeper? Um, I... That's a great question. I think... Thank you. I think I am usually... When I fall asleep, I am a sound sleeper. Mm -hmm. But it takes me a while to fall asleep, and my body will, like, wake me up pretty early in the morning. Mm -hmm. uh, And then, like, I can force it and, like, lounge around, or I can just get out of bed and, like, you know, start my day. Uh, are are you a but like my point is when I have like committed to sleep and like it's sleep time and I have fallen asleep then I stay asleep. Yeah. So are you able to? Uh, are you one of those people who you're able to just like I've had five hours of sleep and now I feel great and I can just go throughout my day? No, I think we call that productive. No, people. I have never once in my life been a productive person. <laughs> um, no, no, not really. Um, you know, there. There, I go through times when I can wake up in the morning and be like super productive if I wake up at like five or six or whatever. Um, but I've fallen out of that a little bit, uh, partially because I don't have a, an office to go to first thing in the morning anymore. Um, so any of the work that I would have needed to get done before like going to work, um, I can now just do later in the day. Um, what about you? Uh, I need my models eight. Uh huh. I need my models ten, baby. <laughs> um, I'm I'm a pretty light sleeper, mm. so, uh, like I wake up pretty easily, but um, it's it's also difficult for me to fall asleep sometimes. How how are you on like planes and stuff? Oh, I have a really hard time sleeping sitting up. Yeah, and so like cars, planes, anything like that, I have to be super tired. In order for me to be able to fall asleep, yeah, super tired or super drunk. <laughs> yeah. I, I can do On that. Some sort of drug. That's right. Um, what you, is, oh, sorry. Go ahead. What are you wearing to bed? Um, I wear like pajamas. Yeah, like uh, tops and bottoms. Pajama pants and tops. Yep, for long, sure. Long pant, long sleeves. Uh, not long sleeves. And like a, a long cap <laughs> that just drapes down like, right. over uh-huh. your back. Uh huh. Um, and a candlestick. Like, like a, I'm from Don't Don't Wake Daddy. That's yes, you are the titular daddy from Don't Wake Daddy. 
Um, no, I just wear like uh, like ratty old t-shirts mm. and um, just like pajama bottoms. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I I am strictly an underpants guy. Oh yeah. I just I'm just underpants and I'm in that bed. For whatever reason, I feel like exposed and vulnerable if I don't have a, like a t-shirt. You're on. in your own bed. <laughs> For now. <laughs> what is it? Well, okay. <laughs> um, I there was a period in my life where I was all about uh the naked sleep. Mm-hmm. I was like I'm gonna sleep with no clothes on. Um, and I think the uh the underwear is just like a. It's it's like a compromise <laughs> with myself. I was gonna say for who? I don't know. Oh, yeah. For for myself. No, there there is something about like not to get too graphic, but just like the idea of like that's just a butt. You just have your butt like just right on the sheets and stuff. Right. It you know, you when you wear pants, uh you wear underwear as to keep your pants from getting butt dirty. Mm-hmm. You do the same with your sheets, I guess. <laughs> Are um, you a stomach sleeper? Do you sleep on your side? Ooh. Do you sleep on your back? Um, I am a like side stomach, like I'm not like straight down on my stomach, but I'm like side favoring like forward. Uh huh. Right? Do you like kind of like prop yourself up a little bit, like because here's the problem I run to. I think ideally I'm a side sleeper, yeah, slash stomach sleeper, but there's no good place to put your arms. The, yes, especially with another person in the bed. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I will do the. I put my arm if like I'm uh, snuggling Sarah. I, my arm goes under her pillow uh-huh. or like out behind. Yeah. Uh, which is not, I mean, it's not comfortable. No. But like that's where the arm goes. We need like arm holes in a yes. mattress. Yes. We, someone needs to invent a mattress with an arm crevice that we can uh, fill in with a non-arm thing if we're not using it. But you know, we can just like open a, maybe it's a zipper. No, someone's going to get hurt. <laughs> um, maybe it's Velcro. Uh, and you just jam your arm yeah, in Yeah, you there. could just like place your arm because- when you're a yeah, jam is too violent. You're, <laughs> you're right. I guess it depends on the scenario. Uh, but like if you're laying on your stomach, your like arms are at your side, but my arms always fall asleep and that's the work ball. Well, I guess we'll never know what is the worst. Uh, we were accompanied today by an unnamed pianist. So YouTube videos be better about crediting your piano players. Thank you. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. Nintendo announced a Pokemon Direct for Wednesday, June 5th at 6 a.m. Pacific Time. 6 a.m. Bright and early. I'm really excited. I love Directs. Mm -hmm. I love when Directs are coming just a few precious days before another Direct. Yeah, like the biggest Direct of the year, Mm -hmm. uh, which it should be noted that this is how many days before uh, the E3 Direct? Yeah. So is this them? This is them getting all the Pokemon news out of the way, right? That's definitely what it seems like. This is almost the thing that's more exciting about it to me is that it means that the Nintendo E3 Direct won't be uh, burdened with Pokemon stuff. And I know I'm excited about Pokemon too, but if we are going into the Direct and being like, okay, here are the pieces we're already taking off the table, um, we probably don't need to talk about Fire Emblem Three Houses anymore. They're dribbling out information about that thing all the time, and it'll be out like a couple weeks later. Two. Pokemon, we're we're getting this information out right now, and I feel like there was another thing that we just learned about that. I'm like, oh, we don't Mario need- Maker two, Mario Maker two, yes. Um, so like all of these, all of the sort of like big things from the last direct, we are getting like filled. We are having that uh, knowledge gap filled already going into E3, 
which means it makes E3 so much more exciting. So the Pokemon Direct is going to be about 15 minutes, mm-hmm. which seems kind of short, but the Mario Maker 2 Direct was also 15 minutes, and we know that those things are just like jam-packed with information. Yeah, totally. So I think it's going to be a pretty big blowout, and um, they mentioned that it's going to be focused on the upcoming Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield. Great. So uh, like uh, restricted to just those... Uh that that release. There's also going to be a Pokemon business strategy presentation happening tonight. Okay. It's uh May 28th at 6 p.m. Pacific time. No word on exactly what will be shared during the business strategy presentation. So we'll cover it all um in next week's news episode. But we're obviously getting a lot more lead time for this Pokemon Direct that's happening on the 6th than we usually do. And I'm guessing that it's because they're having this uh business strategy presentation that they may not talk that much about sword and shield on yeah so they're oh so you think announcing we're gonna this get up front something else oh no yeah that makes sense so they're announcing this up front so they're like hey when we don't talk about sword and shield yeah don't, don't like freak, freak out. out right um yeah well and also you know for as much as uh the pokemon uh company is doing a strategy presentation like that sounds like ooh. That's, but it's a business strategy presentation. So, you know, it might be like, we're launching a new set of uh, Pokemon playing cards and we're announcing a new partnership with Build-A-Bear. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if we hear some more about, like, mobile news. Yep. And maybe, like, a Pokemon Tournament 2 or something like that. Sure. Pokemon Go 2. Yeah, some sort of, like, a spinoff game. Yeah. Or something else happening this year. Um, But... Pokemon is, of course, developed by Game Freak. And in an interview with uh, VGC, which is videogameschronicle.com, Game Freak programmer and director Masayuki Onou is basically, he talks about how Game Freak is increasingly prioritizing non-Pokemon development to help give its developers more experience on other platforms. Other other platforms? Yeah, so he talks about how, like... um, the Pokemon team, they just learn the Switch and the 3DS. Yeah. You know, like, that's all that they're uh, focused on. And so that's their tool set. That's what they know how to do. Right. Well, but, and presumably the Switch is a kind of new, like, them developing for um, console is uh, a newer sort of thing for them. Right. But, or at least Pokemon games, because yeah. we, like, they have two teams he, what he talks about is that at Game Freak, they have two teams, um, one that's called Production Team 1, and they work on the non-Pokemon products, and then Production Team 2, which is all Pokemon. And Production Team 1, like, they work on things like Pocket Card, pocket card Jockey, yeah. or Town, or the PC game uh, Giga Wrecker. And, but they will mix the two teams occasionally, you know, like people who are on Team 1 will go to Team 2, and vice versa. And it just, like, expands everybody's knowledge base. Yeah. Um, which I think is like a really interesting thing. Yeah, it uh, it makes me a little bit. Um, if like this is what where are we saying that like this is what they're moving towards, or like this is just like the reality of uh, what the studio is. It sounds like it's something that they are emphasizing more. Okay. Um, that you know, like they've obviously had other teams in the past that have built uh, or created other games that weren't Pokemon related, but it sounds like from this interview, at least in uh, his opinion that they're putting more emphasis on creating original things that aren't just Pokemon. Because I, I, I feel like there is, uh, you know, not, not that it's bad and not that uh, Pokemon uh, sales are going to suffer from it at all, 
but like my biggest fear is that uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield is going to be, you know, another mainline Pokemon game with, you know, just like some little differences here and there, but it isn't like a revolutionary thing. Um, and that could be a function of uh, them not having like fully implemented uh, this sort of mixing of like teams quite yet. Um, if two years down the line, three years down the line, they have more of this cross-pollination and maybe we could get a, a more exciting or more experimental Pokemon game. Um, but I think what we're going to see in Sword and Shield is going to be pretty much hewing pretty close to the uh, Pokemon model. I wonder if that's what the end goal is or if it's to basically like not be so reliant on Pokemon. That's interesting. You know, for them, for yeah. like for them as a company, because if they... Uh, Pokemon is obviously like the breadwinner. Yeah. And if they're able to develop something else and just like diversify a little bit, they're not so much at risk if for whatever reason Pokemon starts to drop in popularity. Pokemon's just not cool anymore. <laughs> Heaven forfend. Yes. I mean, what if uh what if Pikachu says the N-word? Then what? <laughs> it was fine for Mel Gibson. Um He had to take a timeout for <laughs> years. And then Daddy's Home 2 was like, welcome back, Mel. Uh, he also says that 2019 is an exciting year for Game Freak. Um, Town is coming out on Switch. Yeah. So is Pokemon Sword and Shield. Um, the company brought their 2016 PC title Giga Wrecker to consoles this year. And that's right, Patrick. Uh, there was a whole new Game Freak title released on Switch on like May 2nd that we totally didn't know anything about. It's called Giga... Or as in, like, we didn't know anything about. Right. Not the universe. Um, called Giga Wrecker Alt. Giga Wrecker? Uh-huh. Okay. Is this something we should look into? It's like a platformer, maybe a Metroidvania-type mm. game, where there's, like, combat, and you play as a uh, character whose, like, arm does crazy things. I'm not selling it very well. You should look it up. It I, I cool. said sold. I think you sold it just fine. Um, I, I like uh, Game Freak and I like their non-Pokemon games uh, to the extent that I love Pocket Card Jockey and I don't have another example. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's enough for me to uh, at least be interested in this Giga Wrecker alt. Did you ever play um, DC Universe Online? Why, Mark? I did for a very little bit. Oh, really? Did you play it when it came out on like PS4 for yeah, free or something? Uh, PS3. Or PS3. Yeah, uh, but really for just a little bit, like just long enough to um, make my own character a speedster um, and uh, like play through the opening mission uh, and, you know, have my mentor, Batman, um, you know, boss me around a little bit and then run around Gotham City for a little while. And then kind of lose interest because uh, even, you know, uh, at, at its heart, DC Universe Online is uh, an MMO. Well, it's an MMO that's coming to Switch oh later God. this year. So I also picked it up, uh, or when it became free on PS4 is when I tried it yes. out. And I found it so, like, opaque. Yeah, um, well, by the time it came out on uh, whatever platform, if it's 4 or 3, um, Whenever it came out for free, it was so far into its div like into its life that so many things had changed, and like yeah, it's like impossible to understand it. I also think that MMOs on consoles are just difficult, sure, because there are so many like inputs and controls, and so they they have to map it to a controller, and so it's very like complicated to get to that third menu yeah. of options. Whereas like you know with the mouse and keyboard, it's very simple. Click, click, click. Um. 
But I think it's interesting that they are taking this like online only game and bringing it to Switch. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I hope that the uh Switch uh wireless connectivity is strong enough to you know maintain an an MMO. It feels weird. I DC Universe Online is one of those games that's been around for a while. And every time I see a headline about it, I always expect the news to be is shutting down forever. Um, but if it's coming to Switch, that means that that's they're so far away from that being the reality. Um, so I I don't know. Are you tempted to like get back into it when it comes out? I mean, the nice thing about it, I I played basically as much as you did. Yeah. Because I just found it really confusing. But um, the fact that it's free to play, you know, yeah, like, that's not bad. That why not just. Any? check it out here's the thing if it comes out this summer and it's competing directly with a marvel ultimate alliance 3 i can't i'm gonna go to marvel on this one yeah totally uh the closed beta for mario kart tour the mobile game coming later this summer is happening right now right now and so we've learned a little bit about the game thanks to this closed beta we know that it plays in portrait mode only that the carts auto accelerate and you control it by like swiping on the screen uh it features retro tracks or at least the beta does uh it's not just retro tracks right it's exclusively tracks from mario kart 7 is oh is underst- that true oh, okay. I, that's my understanding this and anything that we say about uh mario kart tour and this is all based on like uh you know uh, we don't have any uh, actual experience with it right we are not part of the beta mm-hmm. um two laps per race and characters are unlocked via like gacha mechanics so some characters are more rare than others. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in one thing I was reading, Luigi was specifically called out as being rare. Which is weird. It's Luigi. Come on. <laughs> and then each character also has like a uh, special item unique to them. So, Mark, we had a uh, listener who was involved in the Mario Kart Tour beta uh, write into us with some of his impressions. Corbin, thank you for uh, writing in. Uh, it's very kind. I've uh, chopped out a little chunk of his email here um, to just sort of discuss the uh, like the progression system uh, that seems interesting to worrying. Um, let me just read from uh, Corbin's email. He says, uh, you have ha- five hearts and every race costs one heart. They refill one about every 12 minutes or when you gain a level. The main gotcha mechanic is a warp pipe that costs emeralds to use, and it'll give you either a cart, a driver, or a glider. Every driver is the best at one or two courses where they will get three item slots and one that they are good at where they will get two item slots. Uh, carts and gliders are similar with speed and, and item luck. So uh, just uh, d- uh, departing from, from the email here for uh, a second, um, that this is how the characters um, are good, is that they're good at individual tracks. So like if you put Luigi on Luigi's circuit, I'm, that's just what I'm picking, um, that he will have three item slots instead of two or one. Interesting. So you're able to like bank the items. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Um, Corbin goes on to say, uh, if you get three of the same item, you go into frenzy mode where you are invincible and have infinite items for a few seconds. To get a high score, you have to use the right driver and cart combo so you can use lots of items, which makes sense. Um, that's where you can. That's where you run into, or where you can run into a wall. Uh, if you don't have the right driver, you can't get more stars, and if you can't get more stars, you can't get more emeralds, which will presumably be for sale to unlock more drivers. To progress, I've sometimes had to grind out achievements. Uh, when you do get enough stars, you have to wait for the next cup to be constructed, which is where I am now, and it takes about two hours for a new uh, cup to be constructed. Uh, that's the game's way of telling you to try and complete various 
previous uh, races, which you can't do if you don't have the right driver. Uh, he says if they can't, if they if they can make the balance uh, uh, and waiting less frustrating, it's a fun racing game at its core. I guess that's what the beta is for. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, and that that does sound frustrating. Um, that uh, you you never really want to be made to grind anything out in a in a racing game, and also like Mario Kart is such a uh like i want to play a race and i want to play it now and i want to play until i'm bored of it um and if like i get to a point where it's like we need more stars or emeralds or you know throw me a couple bucks i'm gonna get turned off to it pretty pretty quick yeah i'm i'm the same way but it's so weird because i feel like the um vast majority of just like casual mobile game players are just so used to stuff like that yeah so i i would imagine this is going to be enormously successful yeah that's probably true um okay so we're about to cover some potential e3 leaks right so we look we know that people hold the uh e3 press conference experience as uh as an experience right uh and it seems weird to be like might we be spoiling an e3 presentation possibly right i mean these are totally just rumors we have no inside information mm-hmm. uh but w- so these might be spoilers. If you don't want to be spoiled for uh, some conferences, skip ahead until you hear us talking about Sonic the Hedgehog. Okay, here we go. Um, all right, a couple of interesting rumors. First, uh, this one seems to be totally legit because assets are just leaking left and right for it, like gameplay video and everything. It's a new Ubisoft IP called Roller Champions. Okay. It looks like it's like a like roller derby type multiplayer game. Okay. Who, uh, what, what makes them champions? Is it like Rabbids and Rayman and, uh, you know, the division guy? Mm, maybe the champions is aspirational because from what the mm. art, it looks like it's just like original Ubisoft characters. Got it. So maybe it's in the same way that like, uh, the, like the Fortnite characters where presumably one of them is the champion if they or win like a, a match or like a overwatch where the, it's a hero shooter yes right yes. we don't know that they're heroes they're all champions one of them showing up one of them is the grim reaper <laughs> i don't know that i'd ever want him to be my hero um so that'll be interesting to see because ubisoft has been teasing like some triple a games coming but also some more like casual games so this one definitely it feels like a game that's going to show up on switch yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh this one's a little bit more of a surprise and also way unconfirmed but there have been rumors for a while that a witcher 3 port is Whoa. coming to switch and uh there have recently been listings for like a asia asia edition of the game which um is very typical so basically like there's a japanese release but then there's also like a release for greater asia yeah. It usually includes like traditional and simplified Chinese. So that's what this listing is for, um, indicating like a September release date. Interesting. And maybe that means it comes to Switch? Yeah. So I know. Oh, sorry. It's, it's These listings are specifically for Switch. Got it. Because um, you were just talking about it being an Asia version. <laughs> and I was like, well, Asia, I'm not in Asia. So, so you know. There are obviously people who are very skeptical because the game is really big. Really um, beautiful. Really beautiful. Although apparently didn't run that great on like standard PS4s or Xbox Ones to begin with. So I bet it'll run great on Switch. <laughs> right. Um, so I don't know. 
totally just rumors. We'll see what happens. We're only a few weeks away from E3. And really, Patrick, we mm. shouldn't let this um, sway our inevitable E3 predictions episode. That'll be next week. Sonic the Hedgehog. Here we go. We are talking about Sonic the Hedgehog. No more spoilers, unless you don't want to be spoiled about Sonic games that are already out. So every time we talk about Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing Transformed, just rolls off the tongue. Uh, we make a little joke about Danica Patrick being in the game because it's like the one thing we know about it. I played this game a lot. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> I had no idea. I thought it was the one thing we knew about it. Nope. Uh, it, I, I played it a lot on Vita, actually. Uh, anyway, Danica Patrick <laughs> is one of the characters in there. Uh, I really don't know what to do with this information. That I've actually played the game? Yeah, I feel like this is like a surprise reveal, like in a Mission Impossible movie when they pull off a mask. Well, I'm not Patrick at all. I'm Danica Patrick. <laughs> Um, in an interview with GameSpot, Team Sonic Racing designer Ben Wilson spoke about the decision to only include Sonic Universe characters in this new game. He says, quote, because this game's set in a universe with characters who have relationships already, it's let us do a dialogue system where they're on track and they're yelling at each other and they have familiarity with each other and make references to history, which we wouldn't have been able to have done really had other franchises characters been present, or at least not in as smooth a way. So it's let us do some additional stuff as well. So that's a good point. Um, that like, how do you have Danica Patrick trash talk Knuckles? Uh, how do you have like the Samba de Amigo? Uh, uh, what is he, a monkey? Yeah. Uh, how do you have him trash talk Tails? Right, without it just being like mean because it's based on like surface level things, like how they look. Yeah. And look, look, look we are not about the, those kind of insults. You got to, if you're going to insult someone, you got to insult their character. <laughs> exactly. You to have their to like core. really get to know them really well. Right. Figure out what their vulnerabilities right. are. How do and they then feel like... about their mother? <laughs> and exploit them. Which of their siblings has the most education? Go for the that's killer. Don't a... bother. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so that that makes sense. Uh, and so we endorse this move. We do endorse this move, or I do at any rate. Um, the inclusion of uh, real life racers in uh, this was always insane. But I mean, maybe, it was just the one, right? I, th- I think there was a second, but was now Jeff I, Gordon I, in it. I'm, He's the only other one I know. <laughs> that that's uh, might have been might have been Jeff Gordon. Uh, you know, who knows? Who knows? I can't remember. <laughs> but you know, there are characters from all these other uh, like uh, Sega games. Um, and you know, at, at some point you've got to feel like really good about your like whole company's roster to be like, yeah, we can do a mashup thing where it's just like, yeah. And we'll call them Sega all-stars. Um, but like, can you even, who else would be in like your Sega all-stars? The list like runs out pretty quick. The dwarf from gold, uh, battle. Wait, what was that? Yeah. Golden axe, golden axe, golden axe, battle axe. Yeah. Uh, so just look, it's a Sonic racing game. Just keep it Sonic. The I mean, Beast from Altered Beast? Yeah, or the man from Altered Beast. Spoiler, they're the same character. Uh, finally, and speaking of Sonic, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie has been delayed from November of this year with a new release date of February 14th, 2020, Valentine's Day. Patrick, I can't think of a better way to spend Valentine's Day Are you Day asking me year. out? <laughs> then if you would accompany me... To oh, Sonic man. the Hedgehog we movie. We are going to have to see that movie for the show, aren't we? <laughs> I have something to talk about the next week. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, let's call Ryan Mogi. <laughs> uh, the delay follows the previous announcement that they are going to redesign the main character. 
So this is nice. They're at least giving themselves a little bit more time. This, uh, you know, my my working theory is that uh, the the company or someone, some creative in there knew that there was going to be backlash to this and was just like, fine, put the trailer out. And when everyone freaks out, then we'll get to go back and redesign the thing. And it happened. And like, I, I don't, I know that uh, the internet is counting this as like a mob mentality victory. Um, but I... I think they just got the the reaction they knew they were going to get and are like, great, let's go back to the drawing board with it and, uh, and and make the changes and put this may even be that they knew they were going to like miss the release date. We're like, yeah, great, whatever. Now, now it's part of the excuse. I'm all about conspiracies <laughs> on this thing. I don't trust them as far as I can throw them. Mark, how do you feel about it? Uh, you know. I'm looking forward to seeing it that with you. That is a lie. All right, let's get out of the news. That is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. All of that helps us out tremendously. If you would like to share the episode on Facebook or Twitter or however you share things, um, we appreciate that. Uh, a whole bunch. On Twitter, I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. Um, if you are recommending us to a friend on Twitter, make sure to at us uh, so we see you, and you can get uh, our Pokemon cards. I just gestured over to a table that I thought had my Pokemon cards on them. They are not there. Um, you can also check out our Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape at Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apeatbetty.com or by listening right now. From my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening.